Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now let's join the service already in progress. 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24 says this. But we preach Christ crucified. Before I read the whole verse, it's really important to understand that there is a specific message that Paul is talking about that that he preaches. It is the message of Jesus crucified. Now before I tell you what the rest says of this text scripture, The message of Jesus crucified is not a message that is really preached correctly many times. It is not this lovely, beautiful, emotionally moving. It's it's not just that. There's a lot to the message. But really the heart of this message is very bloody. It's very disturbing. It is very in your face. So we have to understand what Paul is talking about just a little bit before we can get the context for what this whole thing means. He says, but we preach Jesus crucified. So now he gives three different options of what's going to happen when you preach the message of Jesus crucified. He says, unto the Jews, it's a stumbling block. So the Jews, it's a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, it's Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. I want to talk to you today about a message that is called the three options of the gospel. The three options of the gospel. Father, thank you for your goodness and your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for just honoring us with your presence here today. You're moving in this place, and you've moved in our worship I just pray in Jesus' name you'd empower people right now to live the life that you've called them to live. Lord, I pray that there'd be miracles in this room, people that need healing in their body. Lord, marriages that need to be restored, people that are on the verge of making terrible choices. Holy Spirit, that you would convict them and remind them that your plan and your way is so much greater today. Give people confidence to live the kind of convicted God kind of life that they know they know that they can only live through you. Give them the confidence to live that today in Jesus' name. Help the preaching of the gospel change hearts and lives, including mine today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, uh, we're going to start off with a quick game. I'm going to see, uh, does anyone like games here today? Okay, so I want to see who... Uh, who, who is the quickest at this? Don't, don't shout out the answers. Uh, I, I'd just like you to try to raise your hand. And if you raise your hand, then I'll try to find someone that thinks they know the answer. And then I'll, uh, whoever's quickest, and then I'll call on you. Someone already is raising their hand. That's incredible. You watch the first service online. That's, uh, that's good. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so here we go. We're going to do it like this. So basically, it's, I'm, I'm going I'm to try to draw in the air famous logos. Okay, so logos. and So see if you can figure out what these logos are about what I'm drawing. I'm going to try to like keep my eyes on everyone so everyone can play. Okay, so logo number one. Here we go. Okay, forget the hand thing. Okay, this, this doesn't work. So yes, answer number one is McDonald's. Okay, let's go with, let's go with number two. Okay, good, Nike. Very good. Okay, let's move on. 
Man, the McDonald's that was so fast. They got that so fast. It's just crazy. Okay, here we go. Uh, number three, here we go. How about this? Someone has a shopping problem. Yes, Target. You're right. The cross. You got that fast. Not as fast as McDonald's. Which is scary. But, yes, the cross. I was trying to see if you could identify some stuff quickly and how quick it would take you to identify the cross. The cross is more than just a logo. It's more than just a symbol. Uh, It is an icon. And it's it's one of those kind of icons that the more you see it, the more desensitized you can become to its actual meaning. Would you agree with that? The more you see it, the more desensitized you can become to its actual meaning. And that's ironic because typically we try to have that kind of symbol around us to remind us of its meaning. But in many ways, when we see it over and over, we lose the weightiness, the significance, the power of that symbol. I met someone uh, this weekend for the first time, never met this guy before, and he was wearing a cross uh, as a necklace. Now, I typically will wear, I don't have it on right now, but I almost wear every day this one necklace that I have that has a cross. And uh, this guy had a cross, so when I meet someone that has a cross, I like to just kind of dig into that a little bit just to find out about it. I think it's a good way to start a conversation. So I met this guy. I said, hello, how you doing? Great, how are you? Nice to meet you. I said, hey, what you got, what you got hanging there on your neck? And I like to make him say it. He says, oh, well, it's just a necklace. I said, I know, but what's that little symbol right there? I said, what you, what you got on the end of it right there? He goes, well, that's a cross. I said, oh, that's, that's cool. You got a cross. I said, I said so, so, so I said, what does that mean to you? I said, what does the cross mean to you? Uh, he said, what does it mean to me? I said, yeah, what, is it, what does that mean to you? He said, well, it means everything. And I was like, oh, that's right. I, mean, I, was th- I, was, I didn't say this, but I was like, me too. I said, what do you mean it means everything? He said, well, it means that no matter what you believe, you know, that everything is okay. This just so happens to be the thing that I believe, but everyone can believe whatever they want to believe. I thought, uh-oh, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> I said, well, I said, I don't know about that. I said, because... To me, the reason that you and I know about that symbol is because Jesus Christ died on that cross. So Jesus is the one that's qualified to tell us what the meaning of the cross actually is. And Jesus said about himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I said, so if Jesus said that he's the only way to salvation and he's the one that died on the cross, then your assertion that everything is okay, unfortunately, is wrong. He said, no, I believe exactly that. I believe exactly that. You just said it better than I did. (laughs) But isn't it kind of true that in our lives we have the tendency in many areas, maybe it's your wife who has been faithful to you for so many years. She's wonderful. She's lovely. You say her enough times, you forget 
how beautiful she is. Sometimes you need to step back for a second and shut your eyes and open them again and go, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful woman that is in my life. And you need to tell her how wonderful and beautiful that she is. As if you've seen her for the first time. You better be clapping at that, man, or it's going to be a long night for you tonight. If you're clapping, that might turn your whole night around. You never know. Have some hope for this evening. Beyond the walking dead. I'm talking about something good for your future. Some of you be, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes we have to step back and remind ourselves of the meaning. So in essence, when you're wearing a cross, it would be similar as if you met someone that was wearing a necklace and the, the, the charm on the end was an electric chair. That, you would meet that person, you'd say, hey, how are you? I have to go, sorry. <laughs> I mean, that would be very strange. Or a guillotine. I'm talking about cutting heads off on a necklace. I mean, that, that's, this is not a cool vibe when you meet somebody right there. But the cross is actually an instrument of death. That's the whole purpose of a cross. You may look at it and you may get emotional because of what God has done for you. You may look at it and go, it's a symbol of my faith. But if you lose the meaning and the power of what the cross actually is, then you're missing it. It is an instrument of death. And the cross is scandalous. It is scandalous. And I'm just telling you something. This scripture that we read right here, it told us that the cross is scandalous to the Jews. That it's foolishness to the Greeks. So Jews represent at the time period, the Jews were the religious people of the day. They didn't worry about other religions. There were no other really religions that challenged the belief system of the time. So Jewishness represented religion. Worldliness or Gentileness meant people that were not religious, that were just of the world. And what Jesus was saying is that when you preach the gospel, there are three options, and only one of them is good. Option number one, you're going to preach it to religious people who are going to be offended at you. It's going to be scandalous to them. Option number two, you're going to preach it to non-religious people who are not going to be offended. They're just going to think you're stupid. And then option number three is that you're going to preach the gospel to people and their lives are going to be changed forever because of the power of the cross within the gospel. If the gospel you are preaching never causes anyone to stumble and never causes anyone to be offended, then you're not preaching the right gospel. We live in a world that conditions us to fear offending anyone. This, that's not a political statement. I'm not trying to push a political mindset here. I'm just saying that we're living in a world where people want to silence anyone that could ever potentially offend someone. But we're virtually assured, look, if you don't want to offend anyone, then I'm just telling you, investigate something else, but don't investigate Christianity. Because the message of Jesus Christ and the message of the cross is offensive and scandalous at its core. You say, well, what do you mean it's scandalous? Well, I mean that when it says we preach Christ crucified, and to the Jews it's a stumbling block, the word stumbling block in the Greek is the word scandalon. It's the Greek word scandalon, which means a trap or something that offends, or where we get our word scandal from. So if you're thinking Christianity is boring, you're wrong. Everyone loves a good scandal. Christianity's got the best one ever. It's scandalous 
To the Jews, to religious people, Christianity is offensive. It's a stumbling block. Jesus' whole life was a scandal. You say, well, what do you mean his whole life was a scandal? Jesus was offending people before he was ever born. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 34, it says, The angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son in name of Jesus. He will be a great man, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever, and his kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel a pretty sensible question. How can this be? I'm a virgin. That's a very reasonable question to ask when God tells you that you're going to become impregnated with the, the, the Messiah. Okay, Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Imagine how Joseph feel, feels when he hears this. You know, so he's having a hard time dealing with this. I mean, imagine everything's going good. You're, you know, you're, you're married and your wife comes home. She's like, baby, I got, how was your day? You're like, good, how was your day? Good, everything good? You know, I'm, I'm making meatloaf tonight, just so you know. That's good. Why, what, what, what's, what's wrong? I just want to tell you real quick, I'm pregnant. Now, don't get mad real quick. <laughs> this is a God thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, jo Joseph, I don't know how many women tried using this excuse after that, but it didn't work. I mean, I know that it worked with her. It's like the only time in history this has ever been a good excuse. So Joseph is having a really tough time with this, as you can understand. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he ain't feeling this answer. He's like, yeah, you crazy, girl. Take your excuses somewhere else. I'm about to divorce you. Joseph was a human being. He was having a rough time with it. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name of Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So, I mean, Joseph is literally frustrated. He's about to divorce her. An angel comes. He's like, he's like Joseph, I am an angel. He's like, Mary's actually being serious. She's telling the truth. You can relax, stick with her. She's a good girl. It's like, talk about scandal. Joseph wanted to divorce her because according to Middle Eastern culture, you could have an honor killing in this situation. If your wife was pregnant and you had not had sex with her because it was an early marriage and, and you just hadn't had that time yet, they had a brothel period and things of that nature. If, if your wife was pregnant, you could have what's called a mercy killing where to preserve your family's honor in their name, the woman would have to die. So this is so scandalous that he's trying to keep her from being humiliated in public. And I'm telling you, first of all, you know, the other day was International Women's Day. And I think that's wonderful. I think our women should have a huge round of applause here at City of Life. We love women. In ministry, we love strong women that... A powerful, I, I, my wife is the co-pastor. She's not just my sidekick. She's the co-pastor of this church, helps me run the church, make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. My dad and my beautiful mom are the co-founders of this church. Uh, from day one, we've been a church. We've got more female pastors on staff than we have male pastors on staff. So I think women are fantastic. But on International Women's Day the other day, I was thinking to myself, uh, uh, there's many 
women's rights in the world right now that are, are being challenged on a very fundamental level. Did you know that in Yemen right now, that the country of Yemen, that there is no minimum age for marriage? That girls are being married at eight and nine years old in Yemen. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. Because in Yemen, you have to have a male guardian. If your dad is dead, your brother or your uncle or someone has to be your guardian. And they are the only ones that can help you get health insurance. They're the only ones that can allow you to go to school. Only 55% of women in Yemen are literate as opposed to 85% of men. They don't have the opportunity to learn in Yemen. And the reason I bring up Yemen is because in Yemen, they currently still do honor killings. If you sleep with someone and you're a young girl and you make a mistake in your life, you know what they do? They kill you to preserve the honor of their families. I'm trying to tell you this, first of all, because it's a massive injustice. Second of all, I'm trying to let you know that in Middle Eastern culture, this was no joke for a girl to become pregnant that had not had sex with her, her husband. It's a big deal. It's scandalous. Jesus was offending people before he was ever born. The message of the cross from day one has been scandalous. It is offensive. The whole concept was offensive. Jesus was scandalous in his ministry. He said, well, what do you mean? Jesus is, everything he said was peace and love. You ain't never read Jesus. Jesus calls out suckers all the time. He has no problem calling you out. He'll call you a liar. He'll call you a snake. He'll call you whatever you are. He does not like religious people who think they have it all figured out. He knows how to sniff you out. If that's who you are, you ain't going to like Jesus very much. John chapter 8, verses 53 through 59, all the religious people who have the Bible memorized, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they literally had to memorize the Bible from the time they were kids. They had to memorize all first five books of the Old Testament. They had memorized all the, so all the books of the prophets. They had to memorize verbatim. They could quote to you line by line. They knew all the rules of the Torah line by line by line by line. They knew it all. So they're challenging Jesus. And listen to what they say. They say, where do you think you're greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify, he probably was just so laid back when he said that. He said, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, who you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham, oh, he's going to get him mad now. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it. And was glad. Oh my gosh, he, he, they, they are just, they're about to lose their minds right now because he is offending the core of their whole belief system. Then Jesus uses a word right here. He uses the holiest word in, in the entire Hebrew language. It's a word that was so holy, you were not allowed to write it. You couldn't write it in its full form. You had to abbreviate it if you were even going to intimate it. But it was also suggested that you never even abbreviate it, much less never ever say it. If you ever say it, it's a name that is so holy that you could be struck dead instantly. Jesus uses this word, which in theology is called the tetragrammaton. He uses this word, and when he utters this word, it absolutely freaks him out to the core. He says, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was... I am. And then the Bible says that when he says, I am, he says, at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping 
away from the temple guards, Jesus says, and he gone. Don't you wish you had that power sometime when you're in certain conversations? I've tried it before. It don't work. Some of you talking to me, I'd be like, oh, yeah? I'm like, oh, dang, it didn't work. I need to pray more. But Jesus just pulls the, he just pulls the thing, and he's gone. You say, well, what's scandalous about that? I don't know. I think it's pretty scandalous when you make a statement that is so bold that people try to murder you in public. They picked up stones and tried to murder him right on the spot. He was scandalous before he was born. He was scandalous in his ministry. And the greatest scandal of all when it comes to Jesus is the scandal of his death on the cross. Deuteronomy 21 verses 22 and 23 says, If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death. Let's review that real quick. If a man has committed a crime punishable by death. So let's say murderers. Rapists, I mean, the, the worst of the worst of the worst. It says, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree. It says, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord God is giving you for an inheritance. What it's actually saying, that a hanged man is cursed. This is in the Old Testament, before Jesus ever was born much less went to the cross. And the Old Testament is saying, crucifixion, hanging on a tree, it is the lowest of the low. It is the death for scum. It is the most embarrassing. It, it is, it is the, it, you, beco- you become, your, your name becomes ruined for all of eternity. Did you know crucifixion was such an embarrassing, humiliating thing that one of the Roman emperors made a decree that not only should the word crucifixion never be in the hearts of a Roman, but it was never ever to be even spoken by a Roman. That's how humiliating crucifixion was. So you say, well, what's scandalous? What's scandalous about the cross? How about the scandal of God becoming a man? How about the scandal of the perfect man that never did anything wrong going to that cross, that humiliating place for every single one of us, for every single one of our sins, for every person outside this building, every person that has ever lived, every person that will ever be born. Jesus, that perfect man, taking those sins upon them. You say, well, why, why isn't that a message that everyone would celebrate? Do you want the honest answer? The honest answer is the reason people get so offended by the message of the cross is the cross is all about grace. The cross is 100% about a gift that God gives you. It has nothing to do with how awesome you are. It's got everything to do with what Jesus was willing to do for you. That's why it's a stumbling block to religious people. Religious people want to earn their way into heaven. Religious people want to say, well, I've got the whole Bible memorized. Religious people want to say, well, I've never smoked in my life. I've never said anything beyond darn it one time. I deserve heaven. I watch Leave It to Beaver every day. And Andy Griffith, I'm good. It's offensive. It's offensive to people who have kept all the rules to know that it ain't got nothing to do with the rules. It's got to do with a God that loves you. That's why religious people cannot handle the message of the cross. It's too scandalous. So beyond the stumbling block to religious people, That's option number one, that it's a stumbling block to religious people. I told you the three options of the gospel. Option number two, 
is it says that it is foolishness to the Greeks. So to non-religious people, to anyone else who's just a secular person who has nothing to do with religion, so option number one is you're going to offend somebody. Option number two is people are going to think you're an idiot. So people be like, oh, okay, I get it. You're a Christian. Okay. Uh, you also believe in the flying spaghetti monster? Okay, got you there. Uh, I understand. You believe that like, God created everything? So, I mean, it's literally like option one, option two. I mean, as a matter of fact, it says to the Greeks, it's foolishness. That's the Greek word moriah where we get the word moron. So it means they're going to think you're a moron. People with no faith view Christians as morons. It's just true. Religious people are offended. Secular people think you're an idiot. But it says to those who are called, there is a group of people that no matter if they used to be religious or if they're from the world, there's a group of people that when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the wisdom and the power of God when they hear it and their lives are transformed forever. But you can't preach that gospel if you're too afraid to offend someone. I encourage you today, live boldly in your faith. Proclaim the gospel that way it was meant to be proclaimed. Unashamed. You're going to offend somebody. You're going to have somebody that's going to think you're stupid, but none of that matters compared to the person that says, that is the message that I have needed my whole life. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for having the courage to say it like it is. That is the power of the cross. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. The gospel is offensive, but it's powerful. It's powerful. Muy poderoso. Gloria a Dios. La presencia del Señor está aquí a este momento. Amén. Yo quiero predicar en español, pero necesito mucha práctica. Amén. Not bad for a white boy. Yeah, you're, she's going like this. I'm not ashamed. I'm not looking for somebody to offend. That's not what I mean. I want to be the guy that when I wear that cross, it means something to me. My suggestion to you is stop wearing your cross until it hurts for you to look at it. When it hurts and you go, whoa, I feel the weight of that. I feel the pressure of what Jesus did for me. I feel the power of what Jesus did for me. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to wear that today. I think I'm, because if I wear it and somebody asks me, I don't want to be the one that says, well, it means whatever you want to mean. I want to be the one that says, you want to know what this means to me? This means I was nothing. This means I was a nobody and the God of heaven came to earth and he loved me anyways. And he said, I'm going to give you a chance. That's what it means to me. I'm not saying that's what it means for you. I'm just saying that's what it means to me. 
That is the kind of gospel that you risk offending. If you were ever going to make an intelligent thought in this world, you're going to risk offending someone. That's what communication is all about. You always risk offense by saying something that is true. Stop living your life worried that you're going to offend somebody. No one will ever get saved if you don't put the truth and the hope of the gospel out there. There's three options. Option number one, you'll offend somebody. Option number two, people are going to blow you off and think you're an idiot. Option number three, lives are going to be changed. To me, one and two are worth it if I could just get to number three. And I've seen enough of number three to be willing to just go for it. It's a life you're called to live. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text the dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.